Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. College football's in full swing. Yes, we had week zero last week, and this was uh, week one with a couple of games leading up to the kickoff day yesterday with most of the major teams in play. We got a game tonight and another one tomorrow. We're going to talk about all of these things with our next guest here to give us an overall look at the landscape of college football. One plus week in from the Associated Press, Ralph Russo joins us. Ralph, Jordy Mack here. How are you, bud? Hey, good, Jody. How are you? Good. A couple of the surprise games yesterday. Is Boise State better than we thought, or is Florida State worse than we thought? Oh, you know, I didn't think – I thought Boise State was going to be pretty good coming in here. And you got to remember, they were only a six-point underdog, five-point underdog. So, I mean, that looked like an even game. I think it's just the way it played out, right? I mean, Florida State looked like – all of its problems were going to go away, right? After last year's tough year one under Willie Taggart in the first half, they build an 18-point lead, and that, then that goes away. Uh, I, I, listen, it, there, there was no team in the country that needed a, a first-game victory more than Florida State just to sort of expunge all the negativity from last year, and now they're right back to where they were last year, wondering if Taggart's the guy and you know, how long it's going to take to rebuild this roster. I, you know, Boise always puts up a good product, and to a certain degree, I think that's what happened in that game. You saw one program that very much knows what it is and what it wants to be and is fearless and confident, and the other one that's still looking for an identity. Nevada beats Purdue, which to me I know is in Nevada, but uh, Purdue was supposed to be more competitive in the Big Ten this year, so that was a little bit of a surprise. And Wyoming takes down Missouri are we looking at a much improved Mountain West this year? I mean, listen, it helps. It, it speaks to how much it helps to have those games at home, right? I, I, it's a, it was a great first week for the Mountain West, without question. Hawaii beats Arizona last week, and you throw in the Boise win. You know, things things were really. It was a really good weekend to be Commissioner Craig Thompson of the Mountain <laughs> West. But again, it also does speak to these road games. I, you know, you have to. These occasionally, when you find these odd road games, these power five teams, they don't all do the buy games. And occasionally those, those become so expensive, right? You have to pay 1.2, 1.5 million to have some terrible team come to your home and beat them uh, for, for an easy win. So a lot of these power five teams are, are taking these, you know, two for ones or an occasional road game, but they're tricky. You know, Wyoming is a weird place to play, and that's a pretty decent team. And, and you get up on Nevada like Purdue did, and all of a sudden, like, your, 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 your team starts to relax a little bit. And, and that team, you know, had a, did a nice job last year with Kate, Coach uh, Jay Norvell in his first, first year. So I think it speaks to, yes, great weekend for the Mountain West, but also, like, beware these odd road games when you're a power five team sometimes your players are just like where are we and what are we doing here well i'm not asking this question for the individual players that i'm going to mention it's for the good of college football 
A couple of guys we saw yesterday put up big numbers. Justin Fields, four touchdowns, throwing, one running, 18 for 25 in his Ohio State debut. Jacob Eason throws for 349 and four touchdowns, uh, first game uh, with Washington. The transfer portal and new rules in college football where players can become eligible right away. They don't have to sit out a year. Uh, Understandably, it's better for the player is it better for college football when you have guys who are changing teams and go in and that is an important position as quarterback make massive steps uh, the first day they ever show up and play? Yeah, what I would say is what's good for the player is what's good for college football okay. because it's co- because it's college football, right? It's college football. These are amateurs. They're not. They don't have a lot of control and power uh, over these le- next four years. So generally speaking, I think what's best for the players is what's best for the sport. And the coaches that make multi-millions of dollars can deal with the headache of managing a roster. Now, what I will say is how the NCAA rules and some of the waiver changes. And I I think that there's a better way to go about this, which is sort of making things more uniform across. Just give, I mean, listen, Jim Harbaugh. Michigan, you know, gave a, you know, was one of the few coaches that came out and said, listen, I think we should just give everybody a one-time exception, let them transfer once without sitting out, um, and that's it. And then so everybody gets one free pass, right? And I, listen, I understand it creates a certain amount of free agency, but it also creates a certain amount of intrigue. And I think in a, in a situation where the players don't have a lot of, again, a lot of power, uh, I don't see necessarily a big problem with it, but there needs to be more uniformity and standardization of the rules and get some of these the, the uncertainty and inconsistency of those waiver process out of, out of the picture. The uh, issue that's going to arise, and I think off some of these performances with these players who stepped up and big as they did, like Kelly Bryant throwing for 423 from Missouri in his Tigers debut, you know people are going to start to scream about tampering that uh, people are reaching out to the players while they're still playing for, while they're still enrolled, at least enrolled, don't have to actually go to classes, but they're enrolled in classes <laughs> that they're going to be uh, in, in, in intermediaries reaching out. You know, if you were to transfer, I'm pretty sure. I know the coach. I've talked to him. You find a spot for which you shouldn't allow and you shouldn't have. You know it's going to happen. How do they police something like that? Well, what I would tell you, Jody, is that stuff already does happen. And what they've tried to do with some of the newer rules and the portal is get a lot of what was going on sort of under the table, above the table, and say, listen, we're no longer going to have a situation where you have to ask permission to transfer. So generally speaking, if that's the case, that means you're going to do all that back-channel work, right? Your high school coach is going to call uh, a recruiter at another school and say, hey, you know, my guy, he might not be thrilled at where he's where he is right now, so just keep that in mind. You can't talk to him yet, but just keep that in mind. And the point of the portal and some of the other – and the new rules that came with it were to, you know, make it a little more transparent, right? The kid says, I don't I never have to ask permission anymore. All I got to do is say, I'm transferring, and now everybody can contact me. So uh, my, my, my response to that is some of that stuff is already going on. So why not make it above board and, again, try to be a little more transparent? And I agree with you that the portal certainly has helped. Uh, we're talking to Ralph Russo from the AP here with us on College Football on CBS Sports Radio. How much does last night's Auburn win over Oregon not only handicap the Ducks' chances, but the Pac-12's chances for a uh, college football playoff bid? 
Yeah, it's not great. I mean, it's not great for the Pac-12. Uh, they, you know, they don't they don't have a lot of other opportunities within the top teams of that conference to have these big non-conference sort of statement wins. Washington, I think, is going to be really good. Washington's best non-conference opponent is BYU. Utah, I think, is going to be really good. Utah's best non-conference opponent is also BYU, which they just beat by 24 on Thursday. Uh, if you're not among – if you don't think that USC is necessarily going to be a player this year, and it's hard to really imagine that considering they were already going in limping into the season and now just lost their, their, their starting quarterback. And if you think Stanford is a cut below, there's just not a lot of opportunities for the Pac-12 to sort of assert itself. So now that one chance slipped away. Listen, Oregon put up a pretty good performance. They had no healthy, good, healthy wide receivers. You can make a lot of excuses. They were certainly close. They dropped a touchdown pass. But, man, the Pac-12 has been left out of the playoff, you know, the last two years and three times in five years. And it needs some of these statement games to turn around that narrative because at the end of the year, if the Pac-12 champ is 12-1 and and you start slicing through resumes – to compare them to other 12 and one teams around the country, they might be a little light when it comes to non-conference statement victories. If you not only believe that Clemson, Alabama are the top two teams in college football, and then there's everybody else as it has been for the last two years, and it could be three years in a row. You may also believe that it's Trevor Lawrence against Tua Tungabaloa for the Heisman. And then there's everybody else specifically because Herbert didn't get a great game to get off uh, if you were going to make it a three-way race. But if you look at the top two, week one advantage certainly to Tua Tungabaloa. Can you actually win a Heisman Trophy in August? Well, I mean, you can certainly get people's attention. Lamar Jackson did that a couple of years ago, sort of did the the early burst onto the scene and rode that advantage throughout the year. But no, these days mostly – you're winning the Heisman in November. And quite frankly, Tua lost it in November, or maybe better said, Kyler Murray won it in November last year, where Tua had a few struggles down the stretch, and, and Murray put, put up these great performances in tight games for Oklahoma. And I think that ultimately is where Tua will have the advantage over Trevor this season. You know, it doesn't look like Clemson's going to get a lot of challenges in the ACC. And so I, I can see Trevor Lawrence in November having a lot of games where they're up by 20-odd points and he's only playing for a half. Meanwhile, Tua's schedule late has some challenging games that will give him the opportunity to catch voters' attention. Now, there's some other guys who may end up emerging here. Justin Fields is a guy to keep an eye on. Jalen Hurts, who we'll see tonight with Oklahoma. There's some running backs like DeAndre Swift from Georgia and Wisconsin's Jonathan Taylor. But I do think Tua's talent, the talent around him, and the schedule sets up nice to go from runner-up last year to winner this year. Does Lawrence get compromised at all by his teammate? Because Etienne had a pretty good game going for 200 week one. Uh, they can't both – I guess they can get the ball out of the backfield, which means they can uh, both benefit from it. But he seems pretty good just toting it from the line of scrimmage. Is his biggest competitor not to a tongue of a low, but his teammate, Mr. Etienne, for uh, yeah. Lawrence. Yeah, kind of. I kind of agree with that. You know, especially again in situations where they might not necessarily lean on Trevor Lawrence to make a lot of clutch plays in big game. Now, listen, the next couple of weeks they're going to need the best out of Trevor Lawrence. They're, he they, he plays Texas A&M next week. They play Syracuse the week after that in the Carrier Dome, and Syracuse has been pretty good and has given Clemson a pretty tough time the last couple of years. 
But there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of games this year where they're going to be able to ride Etienne, and I just don't know if either guy is going to be able to put up the monster numbers in big games that's going to sway the Heisman, you know, voters, you know, one way or the other. But you're right. I think having Etienne, a kid who's averaging, you know, averaged eight yards a carry last year and is well above that after one game this year, does sort of take away from Lawrence's candidacy. If you had the Nittanys in, the, in your pool as to who's going to score the most points in any given week, their 79 is certainly going to stand up. I'll predict no one, uh, neither Houston or Oklahoma, get that tonight, although I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game, or Notre Dame or Louisville on Monday night. Are the Nits better than we thought? Do they uh, actually have the capabilities of being a scoring in the 40-point game team? Or is it just a major mismatch in Idaho? Uh, really had no right being on the field with them. Yeah, it's more of that. But I will say, like, Penn State is, is a team that I think is sort of, you know, they came in the season ranked 15th, and that's been a team that I've sort of circled as this could be a little – this could be a challenger at a level that maybe we're not paying attention to. If you're, if, if you're coming up with a team outside the top 10 that maybe could push for a playoff spot, there's some potential there with Penn State. They're a very young team. They're a very sort of sophomore-focused team, uh, redshirt freshman, new quarterback in Sean Clifford. But those are players coming from some really highly rated recruiting classes. So they're relying on younger, inexperienced players to make a big jump forward. But the good news is those are also super talented players like Micah Parsons at linebacker and Mickey Slade at running back. Um, so there's a lot of talent going on there. Now, again, I, I wouldn't make too much of 79 points against Idaho. And they got Buffalo next week, so they're sort of easing into the season. But I, I think that there's potential for Penn State to really be a, a serious challenger to Ohio State in the Big, in the big Ten. Over under tonight on Oklahoma Houston is eighty. You going over or under? <laughs> you know, I, it, it would be tempting to. That's an awful lot of points. Uh, it would be tempting to uh, to go over there because Houston's defense was terrible last year. Oklahoma is not too much better. Uh, I would imagine you have two of the more fascinating quarterbacks in the country, in Jalen Hurts and De'Ara King is another guy who. Uh, for people who don't really follow the AAC that much, he had 50 touchdowns yeah. last year. And, and missed got, the end of the season. Yeah, before he got hurt, and he is just fine this year. So I imagine there's going to be a whole lot of points. Um, you know, 80 does sound like a lot, but this is, I'll let the betting angle be more your thing, Jody. Okay. I, would, I, would, I would sort of guess, yeah, like over 80, but that might just be me wishful thinking that it's going to be a really bananas game. Does Louisville have any shot to pull the upset home tomorrow against Notre Dame? Uh, I'll answer it this way. Louisville's defensive uh, depth chart, the front seven right now, does not list anybody over 260 pounds. There's a lot of rebuilding to be doing uh, post-Bobby Petrino at Louisville. Uh, they may be fine in a few years under Scott Satterfield, but I don't, I don't think this is going to work out very well early on, especially against a pretty good Notre Dame team. Well, you weren't caught up for the first couple of weeks of college football. Ralph Russo did a good job of getting you caught up real fast right now. Ralph, thanks for hopping on board. We'll talk plenty during the season. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jody Mack. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.